Before I get into the word, let me share during the holiday, I was spending time with the Lord and asking what's on the menu, so to speak, for 2022. As you all know, we had quite a rough 2021, all of us did. And we came through, thank God. It's amazing if I look back how God actually directed us. In my trial, I preached a message on vital connection. Do you remember that? In that message, I said, the Lord said to me that things are not necessarily going to get better. You don't have to be afraid, but it's going to get a lot worse before it's going to get better. It wasn't how many weeks after that when COVID hit. It was amazing. It was like a prophecy, prophetic thing. Anyway, I was hoping for the Lord to tell me something about what's coming up. And he said it doesn't really matter. This is essentially what he was saying. The issue is that if you approach it correctly, whatever comes your way, you'll come out better, you see. That was the thinking. He said, you don't have to worry about what's coming. If you just get in the right place and are prepared properly, then whatever comes your way will work for your benefit. All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, you see. So what he was saying is, whatever comes, you don't have to concern yourself about it. If we're ready for it, we'll be okay. We'll go through and we'll come out other side better off, which has happened actually for 2021, I believe. So with that in mind, I felt the Lord was saying to me that what we need to focus on, which we have been to a large extent, a general subject that I'll term overcoming faith. Overcoming faith. Faith that actually works. Not faith in a sort of theological, academic, philosophical way. Faith that actually, actually works. All right? Because remember what the word says. It says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. You see that? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen? So we have been doing the faith course. That's basically a foundation course. But faith is something we've got to continually, continually be working on. Because the world system is continually working on undermining our faith. Amen? You see, for God to be real in our lives, we're talking about a practical experience of the living God. The big danger with Christianity, you get saved and it becomes academic. It becomes, I'm a Christian. But we don't see God working in our lives on a daily basis. And you see, that's what we're trying to achieve here, to see God work in our individual lives on a daily basis. Amen? He's real. He's got to be real. We've got to keep on the edge of that God being real in our lives. That's why the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. He comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who seek him diligently. We're exhorted to live by faith. Live by faith. And living by faith is trusting God and not just trusting God, seeing God work. Amen? Seeing God work. We're seeing God work. And when God works in our lives, then He's real. Amen? Then He's real. When we overcome sickness and disease by faith, He's real. When God supplies our needs supernaturally, He's real. When He protects us, divine protection, He's real. Amen? And He has to be real all the time. It's so easy to slip into this status where we are Christians by name only, but without that vital connection. Does everybody understand? And the key is faith. Is because as you and I have faith in our hearts and we release faith, God is able to manifest himself. If we do not exercise faith, 
release faith, real faith. I'm talking about real faith, the real thing. If we do not, God cannot manifest. Can you see that? That's the way he's made it. You might say, oh, well, God can do anything. Yes, he can, but he's limited himself by choice. So everybody grasped that. It's so very important. The church has lost hold of this. And you have people saying stupid things like, well, if God wants to, he will. There's this man with his face being chewed away by cancer, some horrible cancer in his eyes. His face is literally being eaten away. And his wife says, well, if God wants him healed, he'll have to do it. Have you ever heard anything so stupid? I mean, do you think Almighty God, the loving God, looks at this face deteriorating and goes, oh, this is great, I love this. What sort of God is that? Does that make sense to you? You see? But the church has been twisted into thinking, oh, well, if it's God's will, you know. Not bothering to find out what God's will is. Amen? And you see, once you and I know what God's will is, we position now to exercise faith. Amen? We have to know his will, and then we can exercise faith. But just knowing his will in the mind does not release faith. We've got to learn about it. Amen? And what I'm going to be speaking about over the next few months, now please, I'm not going to just focus on faith, faith, faith. As you know, we try to follow the Holy Spirit here. Whatever he speaks, we try to do it. But I feel in my heart that that's going to be the basic theme. You understand? The basic theme. Overcoming faith. Faith that actually works. It's something we've got to continually, continually challenge our thinking with. Continually. Why? Because the world is continually twisting our minds off it. Amen? Can you see that? So you see, that's going to be the theme, but there's a lot to this faith business, and I'm going to talk this morning about something we've spoken about so often, and it's so, so very critical. This whole business of your and my faith and our mouth. Your and my faith and our mouth. Let's just go to that passage in Mark, Mark 11. The Lord is with his disciples. They're going up to the temple doing something completely devoid of what's going to happen now. But this incident takes place. This incident with this poor fig tree. Everybody says, oh shame, the poor fig tree. How could God destroy a poor fig tree? Please, let's look at the bigger picture. He's trying to teach them something and he takes this opportunity. Now in the morning, okay, remember, they go up to the temple, they come to this fig tree. The Lord, being a human being like you and I, is hungry, right? He sees a fig tree, I don't know about you, but there's nothing nicer than a juicy fig, is there not? Ripe fig is a very tasty thing, especially when it becomes jam, as you all know. And he, can you imagine, he comes to this tree and the thing isn't there. So he gets irritated. Can you believe it, almighty God? And he says, you will not produce fruit anymore, and they move on. And I think the disciples probably raised an eyebrow and thought, well, that's strange. Our master speaking to a tree. But anyway, they'd seen weirder things, so they probably thought, well, that's minor, comparatively speaking. I mean, he spoke to a storm and it stopped, etc. But Jerry is, he speaks to this fig tree. He says, no more fruit from you ever again. The next day, let's read it. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, this is verse 20, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Wow, that is Roundup working overtime. Awesome case of instant Roundup. I wish our Roundup worked like that. Remembering said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, right there the Lord sees an opportunity to teach a valuable lesson, a vital lesson, not only to them, but to generations of Christians that are going to come. So Yeshua answered and said to them, have faith in God. Do you see that? 
The actual literal translation is have the faith of God, the God type of faith. We're talking about real faith, not wishful thinking, not wishy-washy, oh, I wish it would happen. No, the faith of God, real, real Bible faith. For, assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Hold on. Let's just camp on one phrase there. Listen to this. Whoever believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Just, just think about it. You and I potentially can have whatever we speak. My, oh my. My, oh my, oh my. Just think about that. I didn't say that. Did I say that? Did some fancy preacher in a three-piece suit say it and everybody sort of thought it might be right? No! The Lord himself said to his disciples, you can have what you say. Okay, now, just think about it. Any problem you and I face, any problem you and I face, we can speak it right. Anything we're short of, we can speak it right. Any sickness that might come your way, we can speak it right. Just think about it. I didn't say it. Just think how powerful that is. There's a blanket statement. Anything. The potential is here for you and I with our mouth to change the country. Our community. Our family. Amen? Is that Bible? Is that Bible? Am I lying? Is it there in black and white? It's there. Amen? Brothers and sisters, get into you and my mind the power of what we say. The potential. Now, Obviously, all right, what you and I speak doesn't automatically happen. Thank God. Imagine you're driving along the highway and you just say, oh, flip. <laughs> <laughs> we came across that driving back from Boxburg on a very rainy night. And there in the middle of the highway, there was a car that had flipped. I don't think it was because of what they said. I think it's because of conditions of the road, the speed they were traveling, and quite possibly the amount of alcohol in their bloodstream. You see, now, fortunately right now, what you and I say doesn't happen. But because what you and I say doesn't happen, doesn't mean that he's lying. No. Now listen, this is the lesson. You see, the potential is there. We've got to grasp the potential. You can speak that factory of yours, Hoof, into an overwhelming international success. Isn't that refreshing to think? My, oh my. Anything you and I face, we can speak this church into the success God wants it to be. But you see, with every promise of God, and this is what we've got to understand, there are conditions. Amen? Thankfully, there are conditions. There are conditions because God has made it that way, so that when you get to the place where what you say happens, you're responsible. Does everybody get that? Now, there are a lot of conditions, but let's just look at the one that is very important and I want to speak about today. It says there, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Alright? The key to what you and I are saying happening is we have to, in our spirit, believe 
that what we say will happen. Do you get it? If you really, really believe that what you say will happen, it will happen. But if you don't believe, really believe, it won't happen. And that's the truth, you see. You and I are in a position where we don't really believe that what we say will happen. And you see, the reason we are like that is because the devil has made it that way. I need to just explain something, because we need to start making changes. The potential is there for you and I to speak, and can you imagine a group of people that whatever they say happens, will have us a church, don't you think? Amen? We'll have us a church. We'll have us a body of believers that can actually make a big difference, be it big or small. Are you hearing me? And the Bible promises that it is possible. Possible. But you see, let me tell you that there are conditions and we have to really believe. Now, you see, let me explain something about the devil. The devil is a creeper. He'd rather not expose himself. I mean, the danger of him exposing himself is that he is weakened when he exposes himself. Right? And let me tell you how he likes to work. He operates on the basis of sowing. You see? The devil's technique is to sit in the shadows, basically. When he sees you and I in a position, he quickly throws a little thought and he backs off. Alright? Because he knows that that thought, if allowed, will grow and produce. There was a sad story, friends of ours were elders in a church up in Zimbabwe in Bulawayo, predominantly black church. And uh, there was a pastor there who was head up for stealing $500 from the office. You see, and this friend of mine asked me, what do you think you should do? The circumstances of that story are quite sad. This pastor had a ministry of his own, and it was supported internationally, from America predominantly, and it was feeding children, and it was doing very well. This church came along and said, well, come and join us, and you can be a pastor in our church and bring your ministry with you, sort of thing. And what happened, he did that. I think it was quite foolish of him, but he did. They sort of took over the ministry, took over the resources, and he sat there as a pastor, underpaid. So he's sitting there, his family's starving in the office, and there's $500, and you see, this is my point. I don't think he walked into the office, saw the $500, said, oh, whoopee, doom, jackpot. No, what happened? Probably worked in the office, and the money was left there, and what would the devil, the creeper, have done? Just a little thought. See? Just a little thought. And you see, what does a little thought seed do? It starts to. He's probably thinking to himself, you know what? I had this ministry. That money is here because of my ministry that I worked for. My children are going hungry. They don't really pay. You understand? Now, what he did wasn't right, I know. But still, you see, that's how the devil works. Let me tell you. He's worked over time to bring you and I to the place where we don't really believe what we say is going to happen. Amen? You see, we have in our culture a habit of saying things we don't really mean. Amen? We don't really mean it. And everybody knows we don't mean it, but we just accept the fact that it's not going to happen. You see? Now you might say, oh well, everybody knows it's not going to happen, I'll just say that so... But the devil, in the background, he laughs. Why? Notice something. Every time you and I say something, 
that we don't really mean, do you know what happens? Our faith in what we say happening becomes diminished. You get it? Without us realizing it. We're undermining this powerful ability we have. Let me just say something. Anything that's used for the wrong reason devalues it. Amen? Anything used for the wrong reason devalues it. I knew a farmer had a Mercedes-Benz, one of those old box things. My soul. He took that everywhere. Put a foot your bucket to shame, fella. He drove through the fields, hooked up the trailer. I don't think he plowed with it, but he almost got there. Shame, the thing was looking a bit shabby by the time I got sitting in the back seat, you understand? That thing was used for the wrong reason. If you use something for the wrong reason, try and do something else with it, it deteriorates. You see, now we use our mouth just to jabber off. And you know something? The Bible warns against every idle word. Let's just look at another scripture. Go to Matthew 12, 35. Listen to this. Matthew 12, 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every idle word. What is an idle word? Not necessarily a blasphemous word, you understand? We should be beyond that by now. An idle word is where you just frivolously speak off just to fill in the conversation. Somebody says, I've got this big problem, and somebody says, I'll pray for you. <laughs> you heard that one. <laughs> and very often you realize, they're not going to pray for you. Am I right? They're not going to pray for you. Not in their mind to pray for you. They just say it because it seems like a good thing to say. Oh, you're in trouble, and I feel for you, so I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Do you know something? That's an idle word. Did you know that? It's an idle word. If you don't take action, but that's my point. So many people just say it because it's the course of conversation. I tell you something, Janet and I, if we ever say to anybody, we're going to pray for you, we pray for them. Especially on WhatsApp, I say to somebody, we'll pray for you, we immediately get together and we pray. It might not be a long prayer. It depends on the situation, you understand? Sometimes it is deep prayer. But if we say to somebody, we are going to pray for you, we pray for them. Why? We do not want to devalue what we say. Amen? We do not want to devalue it. How many times have people said to me, I'll see you in church on Sunday? How many times? And I think they say that to make me feel good. Well, for your information, I couldn't give a hoot. For my own benefit, whether you come or not, for your benefit is probably a good thing. But you understand, I'm not blessed if somebody says, oh, I'll see you in church, and then they don't come. Are you hearing me, church? There's certain people, I can tell you, when they say that, I realize that's a sure sign they're not going to be there. Now, what's happening every time they do that? We do that. You understand? We're devaluing our faith in what we say. Integrity, yes. You see? We devalue what we say. We regard as cheap the words of our mouth. So, you see, when we come to the mountain and we say, move, the mountain turns around and says, you get it? You understand? I mean, I've had this. One man came to me and said, you know what? He just joined the church and his wife, probably remember them, but 
came to him after service. He said, Graham, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, we'll do for you. We'll do for the church. He wasn't genuine. He meant it. You know what I said to him? Nothing. Why? Let me tell you why. Because I know. The moment people start to say things like that, the devil will be on their case to test it. And that's a measure of what sort of people they are. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? And I said to myself, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Before I ask you to do anything for me, let's see if you can just come along and support what we're doing. Do what you know to do. Does that make sense to you? I'm not going to ask somebody, well, you know, we need somebody over there to be visited if I can't trust them. Are you hearing me? Lo and behold, within I think a month, gone. Never saw them again. Oh, I'll do anything I can for you. Gone. You get it? Now let me tell you, if you say something like that, guess what? If you want to develop your integrity and your faith in what you say, you stand by and expect the Lord to test you, to maybe put you in place where you have to do something you don't want to do. Are you hearing me, church? Otherwise, guess what? Don't say it. Just shut up. Let your yes be yes and your no, your no. You get it? We have to be careful what we say. And when we say something, dear Lord, that's what I've said. That's what I've said. And society says, we will come around to see. We'll come and visit, you see. You know very well they're not planning to come and visit. They're just saying that to make you feel, I don't know why, good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When Janet and I invite somebody, we invite them and we get them here if we possibly can. We don't just say, oh, well, come around, meaning, oh, well, don't bother to come around. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? We need to be that kind of people. If you say something, you mean it. Amen? If you say something, you mean it. And if you can't mean it, don't say it. You don't have to say, I'm not having you around. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Just shut up. Just shut up. I've had people come and say, Graham, oh, yes, I want to buy some property and build you a church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can't wait, you know. Can't wait every day salivating over the fact that we're going to have a big church. Because somebody said it. That same person, once again, gone. Now, please, I'm not holding it against them. It's not my problem. You understand? We'll have a church when we need it. And thank God we didn't get a big facility before COVID. Otherwise, we'd be sitting with an empty shell trying to pay for it. But you understand? What am I saying? For his sake, if you actually are going to do it, then you say it. And then you do it. Are you hearing me? Bless God. But if you're not planning to do it, what's the best thing to do? Shut up. Amen? Don't say it. Don't make promises that you're not planning to fulfill. Are you getting me, folks? This is really, really important. Why? Because, you see, if you and I mean what we say and say what we mean, you know what starts to grow? You see, faith grows. Faith grows. It develops. You might speak to the mountain and nothing happens now. Does that mean it's never going to happen? Does that mean he was lying? No. What he was saying, it's potentially there. And he wants us to rise up to that place where what we say happens. Amen. But it will not happen if your and my mouth is like a bitter and a sweet stream. Are you hearing me? We say one thing and we don't have any intention of it happening. 
what happens? Our faith in what we say inside ourselves, slowly but surely, just gets undermined. Are you hear me? It's undermined. To the place where when we say something, we don't really expect it to happen. Hear me? Let me tell you. What's coming in the future, you're going to have to be able to speak and see it happen. There are a few mountains you and I are going to have to speak to. I'm very scared of saying these things because they just have a habit of happening. But it's in my spirit. You see, we need to be people of integrity that when we speak, it happens. Guess what? You come to the place where what you say happens, you can laugh at anything that comes your way. Amen? I don't know if you remember Crocodile Dundee. That movie. Does anybody remember it? But this hillbilly, basically, from the outback, comes into the city, and this guy tries to mug him, you see? And he takes out a knife, you know? little sort of sharp knife like this. He wants to mug him. And Crocodile Dundee laughs. And guess what he takes out from the back? It's a massive panga thing, you see. This is a knife. <laughs> and he sorts the guy out just like that. Well, you see, that's the same with you and I. If our mouth has got power because of integrity, and the devil comes with his nonsense, and he says, I'm going to deal with you, you see. Here's some sickness. You just laugh and say, here's some sickness for you. Amen. Give him the word. You ever wondered why? Come across people that they speak that they're real faith people, they're real faith people, they're real faith people, and they've got it all on the outside, looking good. And you ask them, well, pray for this person. They pray. They pray all the right words. Amen? All the right words. Everything is according to the Bible. Everything is scripturally correct. But guess what? They release exactly no power. That same person. You're dealing with issues in their life, and you say, listen, this needs to be dealt with. They say, yes, we'll deal with it. And a sort of vague look comes over their eyes. And you say, bye. You know very well, not going to deal with it. Are you hearing me? They're undermining the integrity of what they say. So when they pray, damn squirt. I was trying to help a man who was paralytic. And through friends of ours, I got to hear of his story. This is a man who's We've shared this before, but his home was a subject to an armed robbery. And he actually, when the bullets started to fly, stood in the place in front of his family. So he took the bullet, went into his back, somewhere there, and the shock on his spine caused him to be paralyzed. Anyway, heard about the story, and I said, I asked him where he was, he told me, Mule Med, I think it was, I said, I'm going to go and see him. Why must I go and see him? I don't know him from a bar of soap. I just said to myself, I want to shake the hands of a brave man. That's bravery, that's courage, and you know, it's rare in our society. When I see it, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I know what happens when you are threatened with your life. We are threatened with our lives. Something happens, and to work against that and make yourself vulnerable, that to me is like, you know, awesome. So I went to see this man, shook his hand. I said, I wanted to shake the hand of a brave man. I said, oh, not a big deal. Anyway, I tried to help him with his healing. And being in his position, he was quite a high-profile person in his business, he said, a lot of people come and pray for me. A lot of people want to pray for me. He said, I'll let them pray for me. But he said this, he said, only when some people pray, I feel something happen. You understand? They pray them perhaps the same prayers, but when some people pray, something happens. And I realize what it is. The people, when they pray, something happens, it's because... They haven't devalued 
the vocal capacity. You understand? The people of integrity. That people, when they say something, they mean it. You see? If you and I say things and we don't mean it, when we come to God, we ask Him for things, we don't really think He hears us because we don't really, in our heart, think that we mean it. Does that make sense? So you see, brothers and sisters, a stepping stone towards you and I coming to the place where we can speak to the mountain and see it go into the sea. If we want to start the process, this is what I'm telling you. It's not going to happen overnight. Amen? And the other things we have to do, like have faith in God. That faith, the faith of God is something you and I have to develop. It doesn't happen overnight. Something we have to develop by practicing it and feeding it. You see, my desire is that everybody in our church operates maximum faith. How am I going to go about it? For a start, develop my own faith as much as I possibly can. Amen? As much as I possibly can. And preach it, and preach it, and preach it, and preach it, and preach it. With as much faith as I possibly can. Amen? And that way, whether you like it or not, actually, by just being here, somehow our faith is going to grow a bit. Hopefully some people just take the bull by the horns, get hungry for this thing, and decide, I'm going to be a mighty man, a woman of faith, and dear God, then we've got a team. Amen? Amen? But you see, it's a process. I just need to say that. It's not going to happen overnight. My faith has grown very slowly, painfully slowly. It's embarrassing to think of where I am now, where I should have been. But you see, that's beside the point of moving on. Amen? I'm moving on. I'm moving on. And you see, as you and I develop our faith, our faith grows stronger, but there's things we have to do. And number one is to watch what we say. Amen? We have to make a commitment before God. If I say something, I do it. Amen? I mean exactly what I say. It will make you very cautious with what you say. In the old days, I was, you know, used to go from church to church and I was into this prophecy business. I'd very often say, everybody stand up and prophesy over everybody. Oh, they thought, how wonderful, how anointed. I learned something. Can I just say something right now, unequivocally? I will not prophesy over somebody unless I'm prepared to do everything I can to make sure that prophecy comes to pass. Are you hearing me? You know, very often you prophesy over a person who's growing up in the Lord and say, God's going to use you mightily and you're going to become a great evangelist and blah de blah de blah Right? Talk is cheap, is it not? Talk is cheap. So I prophesy that and leave and let that person work it out in their own life. No more, no more. If I prophesy something like that over somebody, I myself will do everything I can to help them to realize that prophecy as much as they allow me to. Does that make sense? So I don't prophesy cheaply. I will not. Not anymore. Why? We should have the same attitude when we pray for somebody. Let me tell you something. A good way to make your and my prayers powerful is to make this decision. I will not pray a prayer unless I'm prepared to do everything I can to make that prayer come true. Amen? The neighbor's house burns down. Oh, we get together. Oh, Lord, bless them. May they have food in the house. <laughs> May they find shelter. Don't ask us where, but oh, Lord. Have you ever heard that? Grace. Oh Lord, feed all the hungry people. Oh my soul, just because we're going to stuff ourselves, you must feed all the hungry people. Now it's a good sentiment, but what am I saying? If you want you and my prayers, we want our prayers to be powerful, make this decision. I'm not going to pray something unless I will do everything I can to help them. So we're praying for our next door neighbor. Oh Lord, may they be fed. What's the next thing to do? Okay, what have we got in the house we can take over there? 
Do they need a place in our house to come and sleep overnight? You understand? When we have that attitude, let me tell you, our prayers become powerful because God knows we mean what we are praying. Are you hearing me? He knows we mean that what we pray is what we're going to do. We're committed to what we pray. We have respect for what we say. Is this a good way to start the year? Hallelujah. This is a good way to start the year. Let me tell you, we need to be people like that. If you say I'm coming to church, you get to church. If you can't make it, you phone. I'm apologizing I couldn't make it. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Just common decency, actually. To be on time, well, that's not, you know, for your benefit. Miracles we can do. The impossible <laughs> takes a bit longer. Okay. <laughs> but okay, listen, you get the gist of it, all right? Am I saying that when we get together, we mustn't enjoy chatting to one another, social interaction? No, I'm not saying that. If we have to say, oh, well, we're not going to talk unless we're going to mean it. We sit here despite the multitude and we don't talk to each other. I mean, that's unnatural. We take interest in one another's lives. But when we speak something that we're going to do, for crying in a bucket, do it. Amen. Are you hearing me? For God's sake, do it. For your own sake, do it. And you know what will happen as you and I become aware of that on an ongoing basis. And when we speak, when we speak, we're cautious. No idle words. No frivolous words like, oh yes, I'll pray for you. If I say to somebody, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you, preferably right there and then, dear God. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me, church? It's so very, very important that you and I develop integrity in what we say. Why? Why? If you hope to believe what you say is going to happen, you're going to have to believe what you say. And when you have got control over what you say, that's most important stepping stone to coming to the place where we actually believe that what we say is going to happen. Do you see the spiritual process? Let's work on it. Let's work on it. No condemnation, but let's work on it. You see, it says there, you'll be judged for every idle word. Now, I'm not talking about so much at the end of the age. I'm sure the blood of your shirt covers us. I mean, if I was going to be judged from every idle word that came from this mouth in my 65 odd years of survival, there would be no hope of me seeing heaven, dear God. You understand? So the blood covers a lot of stuff. But in a sense, we judge now. Because when you and I say things idly, and we don't act on them, we don't really mean them, it devalues our faith in what we say. Amen? We need to come to the place where we, in our heart of hearts, believe, if I say this, it's going to happen. Let me tell you, when you come to that place, you think very, very hard about what you're going to say. Amen? Especially important things. All right, a similar revelation. It devalues the words of the Bible. Exactly right. It devalues your faith in what God says. Because yeah. if what you say doesn't mean anything, then you read a scripture, whatever you say you can have. Oh, so what? You know, just, just words. Exactly right. Exactly yeah, right. When we were all sick, I asked, but Lord, you said it, but it's not working. Why? And it was exactly the same answer I got. Was our word? It's so devalued in what we said because we speak idly. That when we speak what he says, it comes out of the same heart. Exactly right. The Bible says in Proverbs, "Let your words be few. Let your words." Be few. We often speak just to fill in the gap. Don't bother about filling in the gap. Right? Let your words be few. Rather than start 
gibbering off, jabbering off things like, oh, we'll see you, we'll come around, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll, we'll pray for you and all this. You don't mean a word that you're saying, rather just shut up. Amen? Rather just keep it quiet. I think we'd save ourselves a lot of trouble. Let's all make a commitment if you want to. Just pray this prayer after me as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power you have given us. The awesome power of the tongue. I want to use it for your glory. Right now, I commit to using my mouth the right way. What I say, what I, say I, will do. I will do. I will not speak, I will not speak idle, words. idle words. And thank you, and thank you that, my faith that my faith in what I say, in what I say will grow, will grow to, the place to the place where I can say, where I can say whatever, I speak whatever I speak will happen. Will happen. It will bring glory. It will bring glory. To the kingdom of heaven. To the kingdom of heaven. In your precious name. In your precious name. Amen. Amen.